0: Real conversations, real women, real stories. Here, you can listen to a collection of stories from women just like you, sharing moments that changed their life. We believe that all stories should be celebrated, whether they are the happiest moments of your life, moments that left you feeling lost, or moments where you healed yourself again and again. We are here for all of it. Heal, grow, and connect with us. Welcome to the This Is We podcast. So I am so excited to have our next guest here with us. Jenna is a wife, mother, friend, educator, and passionate advocate for self-love and resiliency. She has a love of learning and recently has found comfort in slowing down and taking time to move through life's transitions, both big and small. Jenna is a recent YTT student who has been moved to reach more people and help them realize that they deserve to feel well too. Jenna believes that we all deserve to know the love that we feel for a family member, pet, friend, child, and even a tree. Loving ourselves in this way is a journey that Jenna can still say that she is on. Welcome Jenna to the This Is We podcast. I'm so excited that you are here and that you are going to be talking about your mental health journey you were the first person <laughs> to submit your blog your story on our blog and honestly really set the tone for you know what we are all about and what our blog is all about so i'm just so excited that we can continue the conversation here on the This Is We podcast. So welcome.
1: Yay, I'm so excited. I was so blown away even when you came up with the WE experience idea and then allowing me to share my story and be a part of it. It was like just a full circle moment with conversations that you and I had had and it was an opportunity that I knew was coming to me and I kind of am starting to believe more in that now. So it's uh, it's an honor, a true honor to like now almost a year later, well, happy one year. Woo! Yes. <laughs> but for me, I think it was in March of last year when mm-hmm. I decided to sit down with my computer and you know, put some thoughts on paper. And that's really all it was. And uh, now we're here. And I'm, I'm so excited and happy for you and what you've created. And if I can set the tone or pave the way for anyone to do the same, I commend them and they deserve everything as I do. Yes.
0: All
1: right. So let's go
0: back in time. Okay. And from the beginning and Mm -hmm. tell us
1: kind of where it all started. I think motherhood, hundred percent, you know, you live your life a certain way for so long. And for me, I mean, it's been the same person I've shared my life with for over half my life and transitions are tricky. And I didn't realize how much They can really mess with you physiologically, mentally, obviously physically. I think when we go through these types of changes, you think it's all going to be fine and dandy and this is the next step and it's so great. But what if it doesn't go that way? So I think what happened on my journey is I knew I had these bits and pieces of struggling here and there, but I wasn't really able to pinpoint how... And why it all started fast forward into motherhood and it all just came very quickly and with high expectations of love. And, you know, everyone's thinking you're going to be this most amazing mom and your, your life is so perfect. But then when you start to feel like it's not, you don't really know what to do. And it took me a really long time to figure out that things were not okay and that things needed to be addressed. And sometimes your body just calls on you to stop. Mm -hmm. And two kids later, my body said no more. And unfortunately, I got to a point where I was on the brink of some awful things. And I had to stop. Everything had to stop. It had to come to a full tilt stop in order for me to stay alive. So. I decided to take some time off work very reluctantly. And if I hadn't, I can say right now, I probably wouldn't be here. So it has been a long journey for me and it still continues. There's no, there's no rainbow that you're reaching. It's never, Mm -hmm. you're never going to reach it. I think times get good and people forget that you might have struggled that's what we naturally do, I think. Yeah. But it's definitely something that I continue to work on and continue to reflect on every single day and be thankful for the help that I did receive. But it definitely wasn't, it wasn't an easy road. But I think in terms of your question, it definitely started with a big change and what everyone's sort of expectations were going to be. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't feel the same as everybody. I would watch and see everyone kind of going, oh, "Aren't you so happy? This is so great. This is the next the next huge thing." And yeah, I love my my baby and I love my husband and I love my dog and my house. But something was going on with me and you know, it was really just chalked up to, "Oh, she just had a baby and she's postpartum and yeah. she's moody and she's this and she's that and it'll pass and it just" It did pass. It came in waves. I started to feel like myself again, but then things that should have been really simple were really difficult for me. And I just kept ignoring it or I would laugh about it with my girlfriends and be like, oh, that happens to you too. (laughs) And then really, it was just really just chipping away at something I wasn't paying attention to. And because I wasn't paying attention, I couldn't advocate for myself or say anything to get help, it was just this is what your life is supposed to be like after you have a baby. And now, looking back, those changes are so big and so real mm-hmm. that it, you have to pay attention to a new mom and the way that she transitions into her new life. And even if you have the best setup, the best family, you know, you're you're kind of stable and abundant. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your situation at all it 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 can come out of anywhere and things started to come up for me from my past and I really didn't know that that was going to trigger me and send me through this <laughs> this dark place and yeah it it that's kind of where it started but now going back I wish I could have done things differently and it's not about regret it's more about wishing I had cared more about myself back then. Like I do now.
0: (laughs) That's a hard one. That's a hard one being a new mom, because I think like caring about ourselves, there's not only guilt Mm -hmm. from being a new mom, but there's like outside guilt Mm -hmm. from other people that maybe are not even saying anything, but you already feel like well, if I were to go do this for myself, I Mm -hmm. really shouldn't. And because they're going to think that that is selfish of me and wrong of me to do. And
1: so I can, I can get that. And I think it's just a common misconception that Mm -hmm. a lot of people have in terms of this happy, happy time that's supposed to be celebrated. And, you know, you're so lucky to be able to have a baby, that kind of thing. I think that gets in the way of seeing what's actually happening to someone in their yeah. in their life and and what they kind of need afterwards it, you don't just go back to normal and carry on it's like this huge transition that mm-hmm. needs to be you know treated gently and and with kindness and you know we have a large family so it was very much you know <laughs> where where do we fit in and i tried my best to make everyone else fit in and mm-hmm. and i kind of got lost in that and there's no blame. There's no feelings of hardship with anyone who I care about, but I definitely lost where I was supposed to be and, and who was, who was taking care of me at the time. So it definitely, it got away from me very quickly because we know how fast time goes. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly my kids are so seven and four now. It just goes so fast, and you you end up in a situation that you don't want to be in. and mm. i i w- I wish I could have maybe done things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. That, that's why I'm here to help. <laughs> yes,
0: you know, it' was the first when you were talking, the first thing that came to mind when I was kind of thinking back about when I was a mother, or I still mm-hmm. am a mother when I was a new mm-hmm. mom. and I remember I was,
1: you with your belly,
0: <laughs> yeah, I was very I was young and had yeah. no idea. My life really hadn't started yet. But I remember, When my daughter was born and coming home and feeling the neglect. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even have time to be the person that I wanted to be because I was just thrown in to be a mother. Yeah. But I really felt the heaviness of the neglect. It was, Mm -hmm. it was like, I became this, not that I was number one in everybody's eyes, but I, I quickly became... Number, number two, one. number <laughs> two, like, it, and and it was hard and it was a sting and it hurt. And I think I yeah. was so envious of, of everybody around me in a sense that I was just so like, I can't believe that just in a blink of an eye, I went from my idea of being number one to yeah. being number two and not knowing how to wedge myself
1: back in. And yeah. I felt like that. So like, it just felt so bizarre. I know it was very bizarre. It, and like, you're pushing kind of this, you're trying to create boundaries, but you really don't, you haven't got your footing. So you don't know which boundaries to create. No. And you, you just know things you don't like, and that's about mm-hmm. it. But then you just sound like a lunatic when you try to communicate it because you're yes. you're actually not, your cup hasn't been filled back up yet. You, your adrenals are drained. You you are just this blob of a yes. person and you're expected to make all these decisions and i'm like yes. i wish i could just go back and tell that girl you needed to do this and you yeah. needed to to say this to people and and really communicate a little bit more about what you needed mm-hmm. but babies are just so happy and and wonderful that they yeah. just they just forget i just had to navigate a lot of things that i wasn't expecting and i think you know, I think the universe for my family and who they are, but it was really tricky to make the transition from like Jenna, the daughter, the wife, the friend, the teacher to Jenna, the, all those things and mom. Yeah.
0: Oh,
1: it's It's hard. hard. It's hard. It's It's not easy.
0: (laughs) And you were talking about the simple things and how you had said that you know, the simple things should have been easy to do. And I would love you to kind of dive a little bit deeper into that. Like what were those simple things? Because I feel like there's a lot of people out there that can relate to that Uh or maybe
1: don't even. No, I can, I'm, I'm going right back into my like memory of like being in the grocery store and literally like trying to talk to someone. And Mm -hmm. I was so depleted and so uh, out of touch with how anxious that was actually like that was anxiety that was full blown like having walking anxiety in a store and I would just try to power through and like try to talk to people but I definitely was not connecting with the conversation I was not looking anyone in the eye because I felt like I was shaking or having sort of a seizure type (laughs) type sensation and going to the store was hard I would analyze everything before I left I would try to pump myself up just to do it. And it would only take this many minutes and you'll be back. And not that I didn't want to go because I enjoy going to the store and, you know, getting those things and crossing things off my list. It was just, this is hard. It's taking a lot of energy out of me. I just, everything seemed like a daunting task. And like, once I said, like I said, again, I would joke about it. You know, we, I would talk to my friends and be like, this happened today. And, you know, I felt like shit going to the store and it was so difficult. Cause you know, you're carrying the baby and da, da, da. And like, I just felt like that just kept happening to me over and over again. We would make plans to go to friends or we would go to, you know, weekend visits or God forbid I had to go to work. I didn't, but like, if I did, that would have been a yeah. total wash. just, Waking up in the morning, getting dressed—like, not that I didn't want to do it, because I know that that's those were signs of kind of depression. Mm -hmm. And I think my bells didn't go off because I did do them, Mm -hmm. but it was hard. Like I would complain a lot about it. You know, we would sign the kids up for swimming, and that was the cool thing to do when you're off on maternity leave. Yes, sorry, that was like the right thing to do, and just thinking about it would make me go in a tailspin. Oh, I got to get the bathing suit. I have to get the diapers. I have to, like that stuff seems so simple. Yet I was like, that shit's hard. And yeah. I, I don't want to do it. And then I would do it. And no one would notice that I was having a hard time. And I just kept doing it over and mm-hmm. over again. You know, getting to my family's for dinner and The bath, the bedtime, the pajamas changing—every little thing became like a hard task for me. And I just continued to do it. And I was probably moody and not pleasant to be around. But no one said anything because I'm a new mom, and no one wants to piss her off. So just leave it, right? Yeah. And they Um, would, you know. And it's often chalked up
0: to, oh, she's just tired. Tired. She didn't get enough sleep last night. Right.
1: Right. You know, they're treating you as if you're fragile. Yeah. And that just kept going for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, those were the simple things I had a hard time with. And looking back, I it was <sighs> crazy to think that those simple things weren't like a signal to me to say, oh, you're having a hard time with this. Maybe you should go talk to someone. Or, you know, there was never any flag of none of these things seemed alarming to me. It was just like, yeah, they're hard. I'm carrying on. Yeah. So you're kind of teetering between mm-hmm. hardship and, and I'm all right. Yeah. Or, and go ahead. I was going to say <laughs> it, it can
0: be hard because
1: to somebody else,
0: it's like, oh, she's just not able to suck it up. Oh, yeah. she's not cut out exactly. to be a mom. Exactly. Oh, well she wanted that second kid and look yeah. at where she's at. And it becomes like all of this external noise that now dictates our internal noise yeah. to tell us, oh no, you're just, you're just being too much or
1: yeah. it's normal because every other mother does this and goes yeah. through this. It's supposed to be tricky or, yeah. you know, carrying the baby from the, the car to the grocery store and digging out the stroller and getting the bag and all that stuff. That's supposed, to, that's supposed to be hard. Like that's yeah. just, that's just your next phase of life, like get Mm -hmm. over it. And I, I did have many conversations with, you know, even my own mom and we would compare stories of, you know, what she kind of did when she was younger and had her first baby. And those conversations would always leave me feeling, Oh yeah, she did it. And and she said it was kind of hard, but she still continued to do it. And it would always leave like a, a hard, feeling in my in my mm-hmm. heart, because it made me feel like, well, why can't you do it? And yeah. instead of being like, You know what? That's okay that you think those things are hard or you they are hard or like they are <laughs> just, just just give me the validation. And I yes. did not have validation from any of those things until well after my second child was born. And I remember that being a game changer in terms of. You know, it came from my therapist, but like being fine with struggling with those things and those things are really fucking hard. Mm -hmm. And until like somebody of kind of power had the ability to tell me that those things were hard, I I was finally able to be like, yeah, they are. Instead, I always felt bad about them. Just like we said, like you you have these conversations with people, and they might not naturally be trying to hurt you, but they definitely, it didn't help. It didn't help my situation and I couldn't articulate what I was feeling anyway. So it was mm-hmm. hard to even to hear that. So I, I think I just started to shut down and, and just not say anything because then yeah. those conversations wouldn't happen. I could avoid it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Cause I was actually just thinking that like, mm-hmm. as you're saying that you're having, you know, talking to another mother or anybody and saying, you know, this is what's happening. And you, and they're like, "Well, that's normal." It's it's hard to even say that doesn't feel normal to me. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like you feel like you're. It's almost like argumentative. It is like totally you're wrong. Is. You're yeah. you're trying to tell me I'm feeling this, but it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, and then you're kind of like, "Do I even want to have this conversation?" Because they just don't get it. Exactly, and I might and you well you just find be quiet. your.
1: Right, you find your people who might agree with you or could. I've only ever had one person that feels the same way when I'm talking about those things as a as a mom because I didn't obviously find those people until later on. But there was only one person who would sort of be like, "Yes, like I feel that way too." And when you tell someone else and they tell you you're wrong, they're an asshole. Like, (laughs) and then I was like, "Okay, this is just letting me hold on a little bit longer." Mm -hmm. But definitely, I wish those conversations had gone a little bit differently because I feel like I would have been given the space to feel sad about myself Mm -hmm. and how I was having a hard time going and doing those simple things. So it was a lot of no, just like, that's what you're supposed to do. And that's Mm -hmm. how, that's how your life is supposed to be. And when I did it, it was fine. And once I learned about, you know, how anxiety works and how our life works, that's not how you did it. Forty mm-hmm. years ago, mom, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or or mother-in-law, like you don't know, like you, the way that you say, like things. That, that I did that when I was this age, or I did that when I had kids. It is entirely different than how we do it now.
0: Yeah, it's and a different world. It's such a different world, and I even think of that now, being a mother. Like my daughter's fifteen. Yeah, and I even say to people that are having small children, like I. I can't even compare mine to Fair yours not. because it's, it's such a different world we live in. There's so much different external things that are happening. Absolutely. Um, like technology. Technology and everything. Did you is- have a Wi-Fi monitor? Like, I didn't. I didn't. Like, I, like, we had nothing. Like, 24 hour
1: access to your, to your phone yeah, with your like, baby. Like, you're watching it that much. Even yeah. I, seven years ago, didn't have that. No, I didn't even have Sophie the giraffe. So let's put it in perspective. Like, She's we, not as big of a deal as you think she is. <laughs>
0: Thank God, because I thought I missed the boat on her.
1: <laughs> she just, no, she just grows mold and gives people colds. Yeah, that's not perfect. I didn't need her.
0: <laughs> but it, I couldn't even imagine, you know, what yeah. a mother has to go through right now. Like, I couldn't even compare my story to somebody else's because I just think it is so, yeah. so different out there. And, and
1: just, I, yeah, I feel like that's partially why I feel so inclined to, you know, when someone tells me they're pregnant, I'm like, "Come here, I just want to talk to you for a second. <laughs> like, I just want to whisper in your ear and tell you that you're going to be okay. And you know, if you if you have a hard time with those simple things, you call me, and I will validate those for you yes. because sometimes you just don't have those those people to do it for you. No, and if all you're hearing is buck up." And that's just the way yeah. it is. You can't survive like that, and that's no. proof. <laughs> no, you can't. And I loved how you mentioned
0: your therapist and how she was kind of like a power figure, kind of in all of this, and kind of gave you, kind of, it pretty much gave you the permission to mm-hmm. feel what you needed to feel and, and validate everything. Yeah. And I kind of want to talk about, you know, not necessarily your therapy journey, but just getting to therapy because I know for myself. For myself, getting into therapy, it took months. Like, I knew I needed it, but like to even just open my laptop and look for a therapist on Google was (laughs) like so overwhelming. And I know, and people say it so easily, like, "Oh, just go to therapy." Oh, have you been to
1: therapy? Because like
0: even just getting in the front door to see a therapist is is so hard internally to struggle with. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even like I was upset that I had to go. I knew I had to go. I just
1: couldn't get there. And um, how daunting can it be to think oh. about who am I actually going to talk about these things with? Yeah. It's like looking at like a where's Waldo scene of like, is that guy going to be good? Like, is, is she, is she going to even have a nice voice? Like there's so many aspects that go into it. And I never say that to anyone go Just go to therapy or like nonchalantly let that roll off my tongue because it is a difficult process. Mm -hmm. So many people are struggling to even get one, let alone one that they like or feel comfortable with. So, I like perseverance is obviously a huge thing. If someone were to ask me, you know, what's your advice on getting a therapist or where do I start? Definitely talking to someone that you trust and and or know who sees someone that they could recommend. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, having little conversations with people, you know, who do you see or where do you go? And I kind of feel like that's where it preliminarily started. But for me, I was starting to notice things were dipping in my health. I was definitely feeling a lot more run down. I was struggling with, you know, the simple things again. I was back to work and I just didn't feel good. Everything was sluggish. I was now seeing a naturopath who I loved. She helped me kind of get my supplements all good. And mm-hmm. shout out to Kristen. She helped me too, but it wasn't enough. And I remember my naturopath sitting down with me one day after I'd had a huge episode in a vehicle on my way home from Niagara Falls with my husband. Great trip, <laughs> bad drive home, but these things come out of nowhere. Yeah. Literally. And I told her about this episode and she finally like turned her computer screen and was like, I think you need to maybe look at some of these people to talk to, like in terms of therapy. And, you know, I didn't even really ask her to do that. She Mm -hmm. kind of prepared this list as I was talking to her. And I'm so grateful because it gave me like three people to sort of look at and you know, look at their website and see like what their paths were and kind of where I would have fit in. So that list was like life-changing because someone gave it to me. Mm-hmm. I know that's not going to happen for everyone, but it's still the same sort of idea. Like start with a short list of, you know, people in your area or your community or, you know, Hey, Portia, who do you see? Put that person on your list. And like, go and take a look at them and see if anything aligns with you or connects with what you're going through. Because going in blind is really scary. And you you really d- you don't know who these people are. And for me, I was going to be unloading a lot of shit. So for me, it, it it worked out that someone gave me three wonderful people to look at. And then making that phone call was obviously really difficult and like you said I'd been thinking about it for a long time it was probably the next step for me then I kind of teetered back and forth like do I really need to do this it's just going to add another task for me to do and it's going to become hard do I even put this on the table and i remember finally landing on a place and i called and you know they do your intake meeting and it's very generic and i said I remember them asking like, do you think about suicide or do you think about not being here or whatever? And I remember that was like the first time I actually was like, actually, (laughs) I do sometimes wonder if people would care if I was gone. No, that's not, that's not suicide. That's, that's me just wondering what it would be like if I wasn't here, like, would like kind of like who would miss me, not in like a, a vain way, but like, would anyone really care? And that was like the first time on the phone that I was like, "Oh my God, I'm actually thinking about like what life would be like if, like I wasn't here." And I think that really pushed me into, you know, getting that appointment a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. I ended up being uh, intaked by this clinic, and they quickly had me with someone who they thought was a good match. I met with her and I remember my brother and his wife drove me down because I knew I was going to have a hard time. I knew what was coming. I knew that this was like a huge step and I was proud, but also really scared. And we had a great session. I told her things that I had been seeing, things that I've been saying, some of the symptoms that I was feeling. The appointment seemed really cool. Great. Mm-hmm. And I was at school just probably a couple weeks later because I was scheduled to see her again. And the clinic called me and said, Your therapist has had a family emergency and can no longer see you like for, for forever. Like, wow. <laughs> so I remember standing on the stairwell in the school and just being like, oh, What the fuck am I going to do now? Mm hmm. Like the rug had been ripped under from me or whatever that saying is. Yep, (laughs) The rug was just pulled out from under me. And I called my husband and I said, the therapist just canceled on me. And I just did all this work and I don't know what to do. They gave me like a list of other people that I could, you know, they said, take a peek, see if anyone else like kind of connects with you. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll call you back. They, they left it in my court and I was just, all right, I'm floating in thin air again. Yeah. Right Uh, at square one. Back at square one. And like how devastating that I just literally opened up like the floodgates. And now I had to try to dam them again, basically. And I said, okay, I'll call you back. And after talking with Ty, I, he was like, well, maybe this is a sign that maybe you don't really need to go see anyone. Like maybe, Maybe you're okay. And I remember the sun was shining that day, and I was like, oh, maybe you're right. Like, it's going to be a lot, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, maybe we should just close the book and kind of carry on and do what I'm doing now, keep seeing the natural path and go in that direction. And that was not the right choice. <laughs> I should have probably looked into somebody and made that next appointment, but such as life. And mm-hmm. I thought that was okay at the time until my body started screaming again. And it wasn't until I actually experienced a lot of disassociation and a an episode in my vehicle again. And I called that clinic, like it was 911. Wow. And I said, I had an appointment with this person and they asked me to look into other therapists, but I need to see someone like tomorrow or like, I'm going to Southlake. And the clinical director called me back that night. I remember I was alone with the kids and she said, I can see you tomorrow. And I said, I, I think that might be like a too late situation. Like I need, she said, just, she talked to me on the phone. I didn't even know this person, and she's listening to the kids, <laughs> screaming in the background, and she said, "Just hold on, like just hold on until tomorrow. I can see you tomorrow." and if she hadn't have called me, I definitely would have driven myself to the hospital. Probably wouldn't have driven had someone driven dri- drive me because I was just in such a state of being totally disconnected from. The world, in general, and she sat me down in her office. That first appointment didn't ask for any of my background information. She just said, "You know, I'll I'll walk you over there. I will take you over there. My clinic is actually right beside <laughs> like so it was it was ideal. It, it kind of worked in her favor." And I said, "Okay, like let's go." And she said. Why don't you just sit down for a second and we'll talk. And she just got me to to backtrack on those first, those couple of days prior to seeing her. And mm-hmm. I said, this is what happened. I envisioned myself walking in front of a car and that was it. I'm, I have no control. I have nothing. There's, I can't be near my children. I, I don't know what to do. And she said, Jenna, do you want to do that? Do You want to walk in front of a car. And I said, absolutely not. She goes, well, I can tell you right now that you have a tiny glimmer of hope because that is a intrusive thought. It's not actually a suicidal action. So we can can work together and we can go forward. And I think that was my first little string. You know, when you're kind of imagining hanging Mm -hmm. off of a cliff, it wasn't a rope. It wasn't, it was, it was definitely like the tiniest string. And then I feel like she saved my life. I don't really know what I would have done if I hadn't gone to see her or she had called me that night. Wow. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have ended up well. And I feel like everything was pointing to maybe that happened for a reason. And then I landed in her care. Mm -hmm. I don't want, I don't wish that sort of to happen to anybody in that way, but sometimes it has to come to a point where you kind of fall into therapy or you Mm -hmm. fall and let yourself fall into it.
0: Mm -hmm. I love how you said that. Let yourself fall. Yeah. Because there can be so much resistance and Heel digging and I remember just having the conversation with my husband I'm going to go to therapy and I remember him saying this isn't a forever thing right
1: (laughs) and I'm like uh it kind of is yeah so do you give oil changes to your car Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) yeah it's not a forever thing though (laughs) it's just like the one time when you buy it you get one
1: yeah it's truly it's uh, I mean, I, I wish everyone could find a match and mm-hmm. someone who makes them feel the way that I have felt. I'm very lucky and very thankful to the person who has helped me um, heal and be on this journey. I wish it was more accessible for people. I wish that people didn't have to dig their heels in or question whether they should make that call. I wish therapy for everyone. There's some amazing human beings out there who can, who can help us. And like yeah. just like medicine, she provides something for my body, my mind, mm-hmm. everything in order for me to be okay.
0: Yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's such an incredible, inspiring journey that you have.
1: Yeah, I I that truly walked. Yeah, I truly think that it was just a right time, right place kind of situation. But also I was already doing the work mm-hmm. too. So that has to be kind of I set I, I try to celebrate myself and like I got I got myself there. And for anyone who knows about the idea of therapy, it takes a while to decide. And yeah then it takes a little while to decide whether you're actually going to be honest with yourself. <laughs> That's true. That's
0: true too. It took me a bit. I was just like, I want to tell you something, but I don't think I'm ready today.
1: <laughs> See, whereas in my experience, because I was, I had my back against the wall and I felt like I was trying to actually stay alive in, in a way, I had no choice. Mm-hmm. I had to open up. I had to tell her, The things that I was seeing, you know, I was having visions of childhood trauma that were coming up in like when I was bathing my kids or struggling deeply with, you know, this unprocessed part Mm -hmm. of my life. And I knew I had to tell her what had happened to me in order for her to help me. And I, Mm -hmm. I might not have been with it, but I knew that I had to do that. I knew I had to share what I was seeing and the things that were coming up in order for me to climb out of it. And I'm glad I had a tiny bit of strength to do that, but it was freaking hard. Mm-hmm. So for anybody who feels lo- like they can't share those things, releasing it and, and, and talking about it is, is definitely the way to go. Do not hold that shit in. Cause it's, It comes back at the weirdest points. And now going back, it makes sense. I had my own children. I envisioned what happened to me happening to my own daughter. Mm -hmm. No one wants to see those things. So combination of that and postpartum and transitions and hard things in life comes to a point where you got to slow down, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. I I truly didn't think I needed it or deserved it, and the universe was telling me otherwise. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, "No, Jenna, you're wrong." <laughs> yeah, the, the hair loss on my head was saying, "Uh, it's time to go." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a big signal, <laughs> and, and then you need to stay off work for quite some time too. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> how is that? Honor. How
0: is having the conversations with? your loved ones? Cause I know, you know, when we first started talking about motherhood and you were talking about, you know, talking with your own mother and, you know, comparing Mm -hmm. your stories with one another. And she's like, you know, you just gotta get through it. It's motherhood. That's what you signed up for. Yeah. Was it a hard conversation to have to say, you know, this is what's going on
1: and I'm open to receive help. And I think, uh, it it comes to a point where you don't look well anymore and mm. almost like an illness people just want to help you when you look sick yeah when you have a broken bone when you are in a car accident or something significant happens to you people want you to be okay and they want you to they they want you to be well and feel better again and as a mother particularly my mother there came to a point where she realized that I, I was in a crisis and it's hard to describe because I think everything that had led up to that point, I was saying I was having a hard time, mm-hmm. but like we said, it kind of just gets brushed and the baby's so great. Baby's healthy. Baby's good. Mm-hmm. She's one time to go back to work. Yep. Things are fine. She's okay. But when you see someone physically ill or in a place that's like you can see that they're, mm-hmm. they're not okay, the tone changes a little bit. Yeah. And they want to help you and they come to the rescue in like a, we're going to do everything we can to make you okay, or here's medicine. And mm-hmm. so for me, I got to a place where it was pretty serious
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the tone changes The tone changed for me. Everyone was worried and nervous that I wasn't going to be okay. And it's like, as much as that was great and I had this huge support system, it was like, I've been shouting this from the rooftops for years. And I feel bad that they kind of only treated me with this like emergency situation when it was an emergency situation. But maybe if we had had these conversations earlier on. It's nobody's fault. But at the same time, it's like, why didn't we talk about this and kind of go in a different way before mm-hmm. it got to this point? And it it definitely became more of a, a crisis situation. And I was able to easily just be like, I need help. I need mm-hmm. help. It was so scary that I was able to just freely say, this is what's happening.
0: Mm-hmm. Even
1: talking about some of the trauma that I'd gone through as a child, I was, I remember being like, blah, 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 like just letting it all out. Yeah. And like giving detail and talking about it with people who I would normally not talk about it with. And it was because it was survival mode.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when people see you trying to recover from something like that, or go through something like that, they treat you totally different. And I just wish that maybe we treated people that way before Mm -hmm. they break their leg, or their brain isn't functioning the way it needs to be, or you've had a mental breakdown, or God forbid, they take their own life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe that's why I'm a little bit gentler with people who are dealing with things and I know it's definitely changed my family's perception of what those struggles can look like and how it should be treated like a an ailment or a broken bone or or you know I remember at the beginning of when I was feeling really awful and I'd gone to see the therapist and I'd also gone to see a walk-in doctor at the same time because everyone thought I was just sick I had like symptoms of a cold and I was run down and I felt like crap. So, you know, the obvious answer was go see the doctor. He's going to tell you and give you medicine. And I remember that fricking doctor like looked at me and he was like, well, the worst thing you can do is stay off work. You should go back to work. I'll write you off for three days. But, you know, if you're feeling stressed and anxious, this is coming from a medical professional (laughs) and He said it in front of my husband. So my husband was like, obviously the doctor's right. Like you don't, you can't stay off work. Then my therapist is like, oh yeah, you can. (laughs) And you are. (laughs) So it's like this game of be strong, push through, but you're also crumbling. So don't go to work and take time for yourself. So I did have to make a decision.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. This decision was partially made for me. But (laughs) it was, it's just this thing that people get stuck in of, of what, what the next right thing is to do, Mm -hmm. because someone that you trust is telling you, you know, don't not be off at work. That's silly, but that's just their own idea of anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. and all of those things. That's them projecting it on you. Yep and they they chalk it up to oh you you're just you've got a cold it's okay it's fine yeah distraction
0: but, is good right you yeah you need the no. distraction get into the no. routine you know no and i find i find that it's funny that you say that cuz it it sometimes it comes from such a great place and they just want to see you well and and offer advice but yeah there's it's so hard to slow down and I find the people that don't want to slow down are the ones to push
1: you to be distracted. Exactly.
0: And because there's so there can be so much agony and discomfort in slowing down.
1: Cause you have mm-hmm. to give
0: your yourself permission to do mm-hmm. it, which mm-hmm. is agonizing in itself. And when you slow down, you're left only with yourself mm-hmm. and your mind mm-hmm. and your body. And that can be sometimes the most uncomfortable place to be. Especially when you are, you know, in the situation and in in the point of your life where you kind of don't want to be there, yeah, and you're like, "But I need to be there."
1: (laughs) Or there's some serious trauma to work through, or something needs to give, and Mm -hmm. there are times where you just have to let go, and you have to listen to the signs that are coming from your your body, or your mind, the people around you. But it, I just found it kind of uh, concerning that it's mm-hmm. you're not taken as serious until there's a physical yeah. symptom, yeah. and afterwards, it 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 was great to have that support. Mm-hmm. But it was almost like too little, too late kind of thing. Yeah. But I'm the type of person that I I can kind of now just move forward and step forward. Mm -hmm. So I was just grateful that, you know, I was at therapy. You know, my mom was telling me, you are taking time off work, and you know what you have to do. And kind of reflecting on that, it wasn't until the therapist actually had me in there for, I think it was our third session. And we were still toying with the idea of me not being at work. And it was kind of over Christmas. So I had some time to sort of think about it. And she said to me, what's holding you back? And blah, blah, blah. And I said, I just, I don't want to disappoint anyone. And being an educator and working in the teaching profession is very much like, you don't take time off. And if you do, you are a weak. And if you do want a day off, you have to plan this entire day for someone to come in and do your job, even though they can do the job it's a really messed up situation. And Mm -hmm. I am like hugely changing that now going forward back into my job, which is why I'm a part of the we, (laughs) because we go with that pocket mentality. Yes. Praise that because that's how I kind of started to change the little things in my life of like, you can take a day off and not have to feel like you're disappointing anybody and like the mm-hmm. whole world is gonna stop because guess what if you do leave this earth you're gonna be replaced in an instant yeah. especially in the teaching world yep so getting over that hump and the therapist looking at me and telling me you know if your daughter was sick if Hannah was sick would you tell her to go to work tomorrow mm-hmm. would you make her go to work or want her to go to work when she is not well, regardless of what it is. And I said, once again, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. I would not want that. And I love her so much that I would do anything to help her and be there for her. And she looked at me and said, you should want the same thing for yourself. You should love yourself that much that you will give yourself the time to get better regardless of how long it's going to take and what it's going to take
0: mm-hmm.
1: give yourself the the health the attention the ability to get well just like you would if it was something you loved so the analogy of you know love yourself as much as your dog mm-hmm. love yourself as much as the most amazing thing that you care about or as or as if you love another like that tr- truly came To me in that moment, because I had to make a decision and I wasn't making a decision based on myself. I was ignoring myself and Mm -hmm. not honing into that love of what I should be doing to take care of myself. And until I started looking at myself as if I was looking at my own child, things changed in that instant because I said, Yeah, of course I would want her to not be at work. Well, decision made because. (laughs) We all friggin' deserve that. We all deserve to feel like we deserve medication or we deserve help, just the way that you would want it for someone that you really care for. We can all say we care for something in this world. It doesn't matter if you have kids or a pet or whatever, you have something you care for and care for yourself as much as you care for that thing, and things will change for you for sure.
0: I love that. And give yourself the permission to do that.
1: I know. It's the
0: hardest part. It's the guilt. It's the guilt about everything.
1: And yeah. And I continue to, to keep giving myself permission to, you know, I'm not staying for three hours after work for, for what? I'm not checking my email after five o'clock, if that's the boundary that I've set, mm-hmm. because I deserve time. I deserve a break. I deserve a lightness in my load. and it's taken me a really fucking long time and I'm glad I figured it out now, you know, being in my thirties, cause I could be in my fifties and be like, shit, I should have really been doing this differently. <laughs> Why
0: is this just coming to me now?
1: <laughs> I'm so glad. So these are the things that I can find gratitude in mm-hmm. and spread to other people. I mean, now people are catching on to me at work. They're like, We're going to do it Jenna style. We're going to do it. (laughs) Come and sit down in Jenna's office and she'll tell you how she does it. And then, but they're curious. Mm -hmm. They're curious about it because they don't want to push themselves. They don't want to feel like shit when they call into work. They want to try to take something from what I'm saying and change things. So it's kind of neat to see, like, the more I'm open to, like, how I've made these little changes, people are like, oh well, you know, how, how did you do that? Or I'm like, you just do it, Just do it. You just leave, you just leave the job at the yeah. job. And then yeah. you come home and you pay attention to the things that are actually important in life. Yeah. And your life will be slightly better. I promise. Yeah. You won't <laughs> even think about that job.
0: <laughs> and it'll be uncomfortable the first few times, like, and just totally. don't, it's like any habit. It's like a habit. You kind of just it have is to a stick habit. with it and. Be uncomfortable with it being uncomfortable and redirecting yourself when you kind of feel like you're kind of. Falling off well, the path a little bit, floating
1: away. Yeah, yeah.
0: You're just like, oh, I should just go answer that email. No, 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 no. Ah. Sometimes I'm like that, and I'm like, I'll read it, but I won't respond to it. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna give you half halfway push. I'm meeting you halfway on this one, but we're not gonna respond to it. Or you know who it's from? <laughs> Probably not gonna feel great reading it. Exactly. After. Let's just read it tomorrow. <laughs> Let's just push it again. until tomorrow. We'll until tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Not Let's not ruin the night. Like Tomorrow's like, problem. My girlfriend gave me this advice. Never check your mail on Friday. Don't ruin your weekend. No. And and it kind of just stuck with me because I feel like it's for anything.
1: It's (laughs) going to be there on Monday and piss you off then, right? Exactly. So I ruined your weekend. I know. I'm totally taking that into my (laughs) life these days because it's just, it's just the way we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to be wired 24 hours a day. We're not supposed to, our first title is our name, not, not your job and your, yeah. you know, like, and how much stuff you do in a day or, oh, or how many tasks you can accomplish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've even chalked it up to, there's like this notion, I feel like going through, you know, post-secondary school and like, you're not actually a successful person until you land that job that you're, you know, using your degree for, or, as a teacher, you're not actually a good teacher until you have your own classroom and you, Mm -hmm. and you work full time hours and, you know, you're a permanent employee. There's like this really stickiness of like being a casual supply teacher. You're not a real teacher. And it's like, I own that now. I'm like, I only work half the day. I'm a part-time staff and I have so many other things I want to do with my life. So that's how I move through my struggle with what you're supposed to do and how, what it means to be successful. I've definitely moved past that. And Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I've got the upper hand because I don't work the whole day and I don't Mm -hmm. work in one class I get to be with multiple students and reach multiple lives on the daily and that to me is more successful than what I was told yeah was supposed to look like success so Mm -hmm. owning that now not feeling like I'm a, a failure for not working full time and not achieving the the contract it's like no this is this works really well for me yeah and I'm gonna keep going with it until something mm-hmm. else comes up. Yeah. <laughs> like teaching yoga. Yeah, girl. See, yeah. I knew I knew there was something else in there. Some <laughs> something else for me, you know? <laughs> My arms are wide open. Give it to me. <laughs> I don't care. I'll try it out. Yeah, open to receive. And I have the time to do it when you yes. have when you have that ability, because everyone would say, you know, what do you do with the rest of your day? Or what do you oh It could be filled easily with all the things that involve with, you know, doing the household stuff. But there was always this little voice in my head that was like, there's got to be, there's got to be something else. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love helping people. I love kids and teaching and education, but not full time in a public school situation. There's, there's something else Mm -hmm. and I haven't quite figured out what it is yet. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So my last question to kind of end off our conversation is after, after everything, how has your view on life changed?
1: Oh, deep, Portia. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's a big question. It is a big question, but I think my view on life is... You mean I? I hope it doesn't have to flash before anyone's eyes. But when it kind of flashes before your eyes, you you cherish it that much more. And I think that if we all could cherish it just a little bit more, we'll notice that there the good is what keeps us going
0: mm-hmm.
1: as people. We sometimes forget to to care for ourselves and love ourselves like other people do, and we need to do more of that. and we need to say fuck it and just do it. I've done that at least three times since feeling a little bit more like myself. You know, book the trip, go within your means, obviously, but spend the time with the people who you love and care for and be open to new relationships and friendships and connections. And for someone who struggled through anxiety and depression and postpartum, Um, One of the biggest things I noticed was I didn't look people in the eye for a really long time and talking, having conversation. And now I purposely try to do that because it was something I struggled with for so long. So spend the time, talk to your loved ones, your children, think about those smells, those tastes, those feelings and take those with you as the important stuff. Everything else is kind of second because it can be gone in a second. And if we kind of just keep looking at all those little things, I know it's so cliche to say, like, enjoy the little things. Like everyone says that, but like truly, like even when it was cloudy the other day, and I think we were talking about this, like all the darkness, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) Like this is the first time in my life where I've actually been able to be like, there's still sun behind there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> like you Remember can't that conversation, right? Like you can't yes. see it, but it's, it's there. There, and that's pretty beautiful too. Yeah, like it will shine again. It will move again and break open and hit you in the face and make you feel warm and. That's kind of like the holding on thing. You can have hard moments, you can have hard things, but just hang on until that breaks or the Mm -hmm. next wave comes or whatever it may be, whatever analogy you want to cling to, but something is always going to come. It's going to float by, you're going to be okay. And there's people who really care about you, especially yourself. Yeah. Go hug yourself. Go hug yourself. <laughs> Valentine's Day. It's important. Day.
0: It is. It's important. <laughs> Care oh. about yourself. Oh. You know, I think there's I love how you said just, you know, I was picking up like presence when you mm-hmm. were talking, just being present and
1: mm-hmm.
0: and mindful. And mm-hmm. I just love that. And I know I and I love it because I I lived it and I live it and and I remember when I had to slow down. And being more present really allowed me to enjoy life. It really, really allowed me to enjoy all of the simple things that probably filled my cup up and filled my soul far more than some of the external big things that I really felt were important. And so I just loved how you just mentioned that because I think, I just think it's so important
1: stare at the details of your your pet's face or yeah. your stare at the details of your husband's face or when you when you like him <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's not pissing you off he's not pissing you off but there are those times so like not just letting it slip by and really look at the details of those things cuz so they're they're pretty fucking cool and pretty mm-hmm. awesome and they can keep you going and you just have to kind of do what's right in front of you Yeah. The next, the next right thing. It's my new motto. It's your motto. I love it. it.
0: (laughs) Well, Jenna, thank you so, so much. I absolutely just love you and your story and just how brave you are in, in sharing it because it's not, it's not an easy story to share.
1: No, it's not.
0: And so I'm just so thankful And just so full of gratitude that, you know, you use the we, the we experience to share your story and, you know, inspire so many others to, to, you know, take action in their life and create small, simple changes that will really just get them to that right next thing, the next, right next thing. No, (laughs) no. Too. that's okay. It's the okay. Next, that's the next right thing. The next right thing.
1: But anyways, thank you so. You're so, so much. welcome. I'm so happy to be a part of even just a small part of what you're doing. I think that we share a lot of similar bumps and and bruises, but um, we can come together to create some really cool changes and just spread this feeling of gratitude and love towards your community and what you've created and don't you forget that you've you've made this space for people and imagine I can't ima- I can't imagine not being able to share this like it's changed my life in order to move forward and you made that happen so thank you Portia okay. no a, cry now. <laughs> 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 a good cry a good a cry, cry a happy cry <laughs> a happy cry full circle girl full circle
0: Well, thank you.
1: You're very welcome.